0: opening music to Les Diaboliques, which means The Devils, and you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net, and on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. Now I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from
1: rainy North Bend. This is Bob Johnson in sunny Los Angeles welcoming everyone back to classic movie reviews, and our podcast of Les Debout Leaks from 1955, which is a combination thriller, horror, and possibly a murder film. (laughs) We're not sure of that. We have many different interpretations of the ending, but it's a a film that, uh, when we hear the music of it, reminds me of the opening of Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock movie from I think 1960 but this film is just delightful to watch
0: absolutely and I went into it not knowing anything about it which I think is the best way to see the movie and so if you haven't seen the movie I would recommend that you skip this episode until you have a chance to watch it because I don't want to or we don't want to spoil the the many plot twists that happen
1: Boy, that's for sure. The last half of the film takes us on a wild roller coaster ride of turns and twists. Uh, it's a wonderful cast led by Simone Signore. character is Nicole. And uh, Simone won the Academy Award for Best Actress in, uh, what was it, 1959 for Room at the Top and went on to make many other films including... Another excellent film, Ship of Fools, from 1965. And then uh, Vera, would you say Closol? I think think that's close, yeah. I think uh, she plays Christine, and uh, the plot of the film involves Christina, who's married to Michael, and uh, Simone, Nicole, is Michael's mistress. Yeah, It's quite a love triangle, and it all takes place in a, uh, a boarding school and we're never sure what part of France it's in but it's a dingy looking place it has a, an eerie feel to it somewhat like something out of a dickens novel <laughs>
0: yeah that's a good comparison the way the movie unravels feels a little bit like a ghost story at some parts as well and that setting oh, does really, yes that setting really lends itself to that feeling It was directed by Henry-Georges Clouseau. Uh, Was there a relationship between Vera and
1: and the director? Uh, At the time of the filming, if I uh, remember correctly, they were married. And I don't know how long that marriage lasted from when to when. But uh, the director has another excellent film that we should add to our podcast uh, upcoming list, The Wages of Fear from 1953 with... um, a wonderful French cast. And it's it's in black and white as as well as this film. And it's just a really, really good, very high-level high attention in that film. Much like this one. Uh, yeah. Surprises in this one also. <laughs> wow.
0: There's a little bit of a backstory to the making of this movie. Uh, apparently, Alfred Hitchcock wanted to buy the rights to this story. And the producers of... This movie, uh, obviously, also wanted to do that, and they beat Hitchcock by just a few hours to closing the deal on getting the rights to this story. And I read that he went on to make Vertigo, which is, I guess it's in some ways kind of similar to this story. It does have a few scenes that feel like Hitchcock could have filmed this movie. I don't know who influenced who, but
1: there's a lot of similarities there really are even the pacing of the two films the first half of psycho for example and the first half of today's podcast film it it moves along fairly slowly and and uh, there's not a lot of of action and and, uh, drama going on some but not not a lot and then this the last half is just a roller coaster (laughs) ride like i mentioned earlier in both films in both films i love the black and white cinematography Oh, absolutely! I don't see this. I don't see this as anywhere near as well done if it was done in color.
0: No, I don't think it would be as uh, effective. And it was remade with Sharon Stone. It wasn't nearly as good as this movie. I think they changed some things around too in that remake.
1: I think I went to see that. I think it was in like 1995, but it wasn't nearly the the uh, tension that this one had.
0: I was reading. Uh, a little bit about the movie before I watched it. uh, I fortunately avoided spoilers. There were a lot of comments about the twists and turns in the story. And to your comment, the first hour of the movie, there's, it's pretty straightforward. There are no real plot twists or turns. And I thought, what are these people talking about? This is just a pretty straightforward murder story. And then. The last hour of the movie it's like it accelerates like there's so many plot twists in the second half and then in the last I swear 10 minutes there's some more plot twists that really make me question everything about the movie <laughs>
1: and <laughs> it certainly <laughs> does uh, I failed to mention the uh the uh, actor that played the uh, male lead Michael I Paul um,
0: Mar-, Mar-, Mar say
1: I think that's correct. Yeah, he was he was the man. Yeah. Uh and he was the epitome of an overly controlling uh, abusive dominating figure or or so we think both of his wife and his mistress who by the way get together and put together a plot to uh get rid of him. So Nicole and Christina, <laughs> yeah. Uh, cook up a plan that's quite well thought out. Unfortunately, as many a times it happens, it doesn't work out quite that way. (laughs) No, things don't go to plan. There's a a lot of drama in the the scenes leading up to the uh, conclusion.
0: Yeah, when we first meet all of these characters, it's right before spring break at this school that we find out Christina and uh, Mikkel own together. But really it's Christina that has funded this whole thing because she comes from money. Mikkel has sort of latched on to Christina uh, and is having an affair with Nicole, who is a teacher at the school. Christina and Nicole completely and totally know about this. And there was a, a line I remember where Nicole was kind of upset about this whole situation with the, the affair and Christina said, well, don't we have enough problems? Let's not fight amongst each other. So they were pretty good friends and kind of looked out for each other, even though I think in a lot of situations that wouldn't have been the case. But they have they're, like this one guy, Mikkel, that they're plotting against because he's just such a bad guy.
1: Right? Uh, yes, uh, one of the write-ups, they refer to him as the tyrannical head of a second-rate boarding school.
0: Perfect. I, w-
1: I would, e- I would e- even go so far as to say it's about a fourth-rate <laughs> boarding school. But anyway, the, 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 all, the other thing that's interesting is the way the two women are, are presented and uh, as the plot unfolds, they're quite different. Nicole is elegantly dressed in, in uh, uh, like what I would call alluring clothes Whereas Christina is dressed in loose-fitting clothes and almost in some ways is, is like a, a child in the way she's dressing, the way, that she's, the way that she's presented in the film. And it just adds to the uh, plot's thickening as it goes along because, you, at least for me, I felt right away, Nicole is really the one behind all this. It's just clear to me well, she has to be
0: it's presented like Nicole is the one who's concocting this plan to bump Mikel off. And Christina's sort of half heartedly into it. I wanna before we go too much further, I wanna just commend the cinematography. You you had mentioned how great it looks in black and white, but just some of the camera moves like the the opening camera move where they kind of go into the window and then we see the kids running down the stairs and mm-hmm. that's kind of how we get yeah. introduced to the main characters was really effective and uh I remember I sent you a text that the way that they were filming it really ratchets up the tension and it's you know that's such an important part of this movie it's it's the lighting, it's the camera angles, it's the camera moves, all add to this feeling of almost like claustrophobia that kind of sets in as the movie progresses.
1: Very definitely, it's a it's an A-level presentation of it from the cinematography standpoint, and that, as the as the uh, story goes, uh, Nicole and Christina. Uh, I'm not quite sure of all the details, but Nicole has a building in another part of the country that she owns. The two of them decide they go there. They're going to go there for spring break. It's spring break at the school or the boarding school. So they they decide they're going to take off and go there for a number of reasons. She needs to check up on the renters and all that. And I think they kind of surprised Nick, uh, M- Michael. He doesn't really understand that they're leaving like that. Is that correct? Is that, well, I think he, he knows that Nicole is going to leave, uh, but he thinks
0: that Christina is going to stay back and watch over the school. Uh, but Christina just sneaks out with Nicole.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, it surprises him.
0: And then he's kind of upset by that because... He's like, well, who's going to take care of the school now? Because he, he has really zero interest in this school and these kids. Like It's just a way to make some money and to be in Christina's life because she has money.
1: Yeah, um, she has quite a bit of money. We're never quite sure how much, but uh, it's quite a bundle, I think. What I liked about the next uh, parts of the film is that Nicole and Christine are traversing France. It takes about ten hours to get to this other location, in a car that looks like it might not make it a mile or two. It's just it's re- really kind of a a wreck, and, and the way they talk back and forth, and and uh, it it explores their characters even further, and it comes across to me like Nicole is really the strong character, and Christina is much more mild mannered and subservient. Again. <laughs> leading to, to to the to the plot as it thickens near the end yeah. but they get to the uh they get to the rental place of nicole and one of the things I really like about it is the complete change of pace when she goes upstairs to meet some of the renters this couple <laughs> yeah. that to me haven't left their apartment in five years yeah. just an odd odd there's some comedic uh, sections in there because
0: that couple is really funny. And they're quite perturbed but that Christina and Nicole are back because I, you know, most of the time they have this big house all to themselves because Nicole's off at the school. And now they're making all this noise downstairs and this guy's trying to listen to the radio show that he likes and he's just saying all these funny things about what he's going to do to report (laughs) Nicole and Christina is
1: going to write a letter and uh but not only a letter but he's going to write a registered letter (laughs) so that it gets to the proper authorities (laughs) he's he's serious
0: but Michael or Mikel I'm not sure uh I guess we'll call him Michael gets a call from Christina so Nicole pressures Christina into calling Michael and and letting him know that she wants to get a divorce. And that the, she's out at this house with Nicole, and Michael is like adamant i'm I'm coming out right now, I'm gonna get on a train i'm gonna we're gonna take care of this. I'm gonna bring you back to the school. It's like that's actually what they wanted, like they wanted to get Michael to come out to this house, so that was their
1: plan. Just an aside on the couple that live upstairs. the odd couple I should also mention that they're several months behind in their rent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she's like, but "That doesn't I'll get bother that you. old I'll guy get
1: <laughs>
0: Nicole's like, "I don't care. Just get out of my get out of my face."
1: <laughs> While well, waiting for uh, Michael or Mikel to show up, Christina further says, "You know, I really can't go through with this. I just can't do it." I they they, they conco- uh, Nicole had concocted a uh, a uh, potion, which I think. Involved black and white scotch and a sleeping tablet, a sleeping pills, liquid that they were going to use to have cow go to sleep so that they could then do their murder. And Christina just doesn't want anything to do with it. She's, I can't do this. It's, it's not right.
0: Well, because. Michael does show up and drinks the scotch and, and falls asleep, and Nicole's like, okay, because they filled up this bathtub with, with all this water, and and it's funny because when they're filling the bathtub, it makes so much noise upstairs. The pipes are rattling, and, and the guy is just flipping out about all the noise, and I, I honestly expected those people to come downstairs at any minute and discover this murder that's going on down there, but... <laughs> You know, that's just adding to the tension.
1: It really is. Well, so he's Michael's passed out, and uh, Nicole takes the lead in, in carrying him into the bathtub with uh, Christina. And that scene where they put him fully clothed in the full bathtub, and uh, Nicole pushes him under Too to uh, drown him in the tub is just... Startling. I mean, it's it's so well done it that feels, they could be that cold blooded.
0: Yeah, it feels very real, like very <laughs> visceral.
1: They also had planned ahead. They had this enormous wicker basket. That thing was the size of about eight foot lockers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're going to put his body in it when they get when they get done knocking him off. And all the while, Christina is really playing the. Uh, I don't want to do I, why did we do this it's just not right
0: she feels like she's gonna to go to hell because she's a religious person she's she I think at some point almost like gets physically sick at the idea of of killing Michael but they go through with it and they wrap him up in a big plastic shower curtain and then shove him in this uh, big wicker trunk and then they get the neighbor. Uh, upstairs to help carry that trunk out and the lid almost pops off at some point mm-hmm. during that maneuver and you think oh they're going to get discovered <laughs> but they don't they get the trunk into the back of this car slash truck that they've got and they head out so they have this 10-hour drive ahead of them with this dead body in the back of the truck <laughs>
1: Jeez. And they stop along the way to uh, to take a break, probably get fuel, that kind of thing. Uh, and that that's another tension point.
0: Yeah, because there's a there's a drunk soldier at the side of the road who is trying to bum a ride from somebody, and of course you know that he's going to try to get a ride with these two ladies. Christina is in the driver's seat and he comes up and is pounding on the glass and she rolls the window down and tries to get him to go away. And he's like, well, I'll just crawl in the back of your truck here. It's fine. And he does. He opens the back of the truck and and tries to crawl in there. And then the owner of the gas station slash like restaurant that they stopped at comes out and helps get rid of him. But then notices that there's a lot of water in the back of the truck. And he's <laughs> like, well, right. I'll help you clean that up. And the, the two women are like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> we're, We got to go.
1: <laughs> Just, uh, I, was, I was really surprised that they made it back with that vehicle they were driving. Yeah. Man, that was, that was beyond old. <laughs> <laughs> but they do return, but, but uh, it's late at night. And, of course... They can't get in the school because it's locked up. It's it's holiday time. So then they have to rouse the caretaker to let him in, which would seem kind of odd to me if I were him. I might have said to myself, what are they doing?
0: Yeah, why are they coming back so late? During and, the
1: holiday time.
0: And then they drive to the back of this property uh, behind the school, and they turn the lights off of the car because they don't want to wake anybody else up. And they pull up next to this pool, like a swimming pool, that is just completely filled with scum, it's totally gross, and then they dump uh, Michael's body into this pool, and the plan is that he will float up to the top of the water in the next day or so, and and be discovered, and it'll be sort of a mystery, as like maybe he killed himself, or maybe he just fell in there, Um, but... Uh, that's how this plot is supposed to come to a
1: conclusion. (laughs) Unfortunately. It doesn't go that way. (laughs) (laughs) Now we get into the part of the film that's just one twist after another twist. I mean, I'm not even sure I can remember them all in the right sequence.
0: Well, I, I do want to note that this is like an hour into the movie. So everything that we just talked about was the first hour of the movie. And then everything that we're going to try to cover next happens in like...
1: Uh, not quite an hour, but it's yeah. a, it's about 10 minutes shorter yeah. of two hours.
0: Cole and Christina are just kind of watching and waiting over the next couple of days. Like, where's the body? The, the body didn't appear in the pool. And Christina is kind of unraveling at this point. I think the pressure is too much for her. And Nicole is trying to keep her calm down and say, just don't worry, it's going to be okay. It, you know, don't freak out.
1: And they find out that uh, there is no body. How did she find that out? I can't,
0: uh, well, they they couldn't stand it anymore. So they were out <laughs> yeah. walking uh, kind of through the playground with the kids. And they there's like this little lawn above the pool, and she gets one of the kids to, she she yells at, let's see, Nicole yells at one of the kids to say, hey, can you go unlock this one room? And she throws her keys, but she on purpose has them go into the pool. And then the little boy is like, well, I'll dive down there and get them, which was super gross, because this water is like just so nasty. <laughs> but he, he strips down to his underwear and then dives into the pool, and comes back up with uh, michael's lighter but doesn't run into the body like it so christina and nicole are both freaking out and then nicole uh, concocts a plan to uh, have the pool drained so that she can get her keys back christina is walking out to the edge of the pool as it's getting drained and she faints and you're like oh the body's down there she fainted because she saw the body but no actually she fainted because there was no body down at the bottom of the pool
1: <laughs> i know so then it's like that, that whoa. was that was a surprise to me when i first saw this oh yeah oh, i should mention the school is back open now because the kids are are there is they're back in operation yeah. but there's no michael yeah now what are they what are they thinking my goodness
0: so so my theory at this point was that there was another staff member at the school who found out about this and was going to, like, help them because he also hated the to, the headmaster, Michael, and so, like, took the body and, like, disposed of it so that it would never be found again. That was my theory at this point.
1: <laughs> it, I mean, it's as good as any of the ones I had. I was completely flummoxed. Yeah. We're coming up on the part where, in the paper, Christina sees an article that they've found a body that floated up at the edge of the river. Mm-hmm. Is that the that, that's the next? And so so she, now she's convinced that's him.
0: Yeah, she's going to go identify the body. Yeah. It's at the morgue, and so she, she wants to confess. Though. She wants to confess, and Nicole is like telling her, "No, don't do that." And so she, so Christina goes. Christina goes down to the morgue and there's this really odd older guy sitting in the waiting room of the morgue smoking a cigarette and just kind of hanging out. And, Charles Vanel. Yeah. Yeah, Christina does go down to see the body and and you know it's not Michael. Uh but as she's leaving the morgue this uh Charles Vanel character who plays a retired police commissioner Alfred Fichet is his name follows her and gets in the cab with her and starts talking <laughs> about, so your husband's missing. Like, tell me more about that. I can help find him. I have, you know, good connections into the police department. And of course, Christina is like sweating bullets at this point. Cause <laughs> she's like, I don't need your help. I'm fine. You know, I was just worried about my husband Alfred gets himself involved and just puts his nose into everybody's business and starts asking questions and and be, being a police detective as he is, you know, as a retired
1: police commissioner. <laughs> it's great. He's, he's an amazing character. That's so well put together. He's he's always smoking what looked like the cheapest cigars you could find. Yeah. And the smell of that, I could just even watching it the first time I saw it. I could smell that cigar smoke. And His clothes look like they're like 20, 30 years old, and he's <laughs> wrapped up in all this stuff. And I, I mentioned uh, to you along the way that he reminds me of sort of a forerunner of Columbo, oh, the old yeah. television character who had, had that terrible top coat <laughs> and, and always looked rumpled. Totally. totally. <laughs> this guy was every bit that.
0: Well, I, I was curious, I mean... He's just hanging out at the morgue. Like, that's what he was doing. Is he just waiting for somebody to come in and, like, something like this situation with Christina to happen? I feel like he was. Like, that was his, that's what he did in retirement.
1: Again, more plot twists because uh, was he there all the time or had he, had someone let him know that he should be there? You know, there's a doubt now in my mind about how often he was there and why was he there at this time. Because later in the mm-hmm. film when we unravel the multiple plots. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that one could make some sense.
0: Well, we'll come so, back to that. Yeah, because I, I have a theory that I shared with you and... Uh turns out it's not an original thought because i i did go back to imdb and read a lot of the comments and other other people kind of had the same conclusion so
1: we can talk about it you convinced me I've, I've, it was <laughs> it was right but anyway back to our tale here of suspense
0: so um we, we should also mention that christina has a heart condition supposedly uh that makes it so that she's not supposed to be like overly stressed or do a lot of physical activity. Um, and so this whole situation is really not good for her health <laughs> and especially having the police commissioner or <laughs> former police commissioner lurking around. Uh, and then
1: it's added to by the fact that, uh, uh there's a knock at the door and or, or somebody brings in the, uh, dry cleaned and pressed suit of Michael.
0: Yeah, his suit appears at the door of Christina's room and Nicole happened to be there and they both look at each other like what the heck? Where did this come from? So they go down to the dry cleaners and uh, I think it's actually just Christina that goes to the dry cleaners and asks about this suit and who dropped it off and Uh, It turns out that there was a key to a hotel room that was left behind. So she follows that clue, goes to the hotel room, discovers that Michael had a hotel room that he used for who knows what, probably other affairs maybe, but that he hadn't been there for quite a while because the janitor who was cleaning up the place says that he actually had never seen Michael but knew that he had been there Uh, but just not that frequently. And so, you know, the plot kind of thickens around Michael and just how gross he is and what a bad guy he is. But that doesn't actually help her figure out what's going on. It's just another twist in the plot.
1: And then another twist is uh, they're going to have a photograph of all the boys at the uh, boarding school sort of to... Memor- uh, you know, to make sure they have a, a record of the uh, beginning of the new school year or school quarter, whatever the schedule is. <clears throat> and uh, they line up and, and get their photograph.
0: Yeah, this is, where, free- <laughs> this is where I thought maybe this was a ghost story because the photographer snaps the picture and then develops it right there in his truck And it's showing it to the kids and uh, then Nicole sees it and she's looking at it closely and and somebody says is that is that the headmaster in the window and Nicole grabs the photo and looks at it and then runs inside to Christina and they look at it with a magnifying glass and it it looks like uh, Michael's face is in the window like behind the glass uh, behind where they took the picture of all the kids and the teachers. And yeah, it really looks like he was like, his ghostly image was in this photograph.
1: (laughs) What makes it so scary for me is that the photograph is really not very clear. There's just enough of an image there to make you wonder, what is this? And did you like, when I was
0: watching it, I rewound it to the, where they took the picture. And I was trying to see if I could see his face Yes, (laughs) Yes. It,
1: <laughs> I, I didn't see that at all. Did you?
0: I didn't either. So it it was like yeah, one of those uh T V shows where like they do ghost hunting and yes. it's like they don't see the ghost in real life, but then when they watch the video later there's like a ghostly apparition. It was kinda like that.
1: So but yeah, you know, at this point in the film I'm really I'm really uh confused but drawn into it even more. I mean I just it's the kind of film that I just love because there's so many layers to it
0: well and they really lean into the ghost story part here because uh Christina is not doing well like the the doctor comes and and says you your heart is not in good condition you need to rest only no wandering around the school you just gotta rest and so she's she's resting in her room, but there's all these weird noises and like it's the middle of the night and doors are opening and foot steps are creaking in the hallway. And she gets really jangled like, like what's going on. So she gets up to see what's happening and there's shadows of people and windows across the way that shouldn't be there. And it's very spooky.
1: It really is. It, of course it's totally dark except for this dimly lit view that we get of what's going on and and and, she, the,
0: and then this is the part that really freaked me out cuz she's <laughs> sound asleep it's the middle of the night and she wakes up from a nightmare and who's sitting at the end of her bed but alfred the detective from the morgue smoking <laughs> that little cigar
1: <laughs> i'm oh. like what is going on here yes
0: and and she's had it she's like she completely confesses to the to Alfred and tells him everything that happened and he's like no but you don't understand we found Michael and she's like that's impossible I killed him Nicole and I killed him and he's like okay well let's just see let's just see how things go in the by the morning you know and so I, so I thought well sh- she's gonna get arrested but he's like no we I know what's going on and then I She's, think some I I think something happens off camera here that plays into the ending of the movie, which I'll talk about
1: in a minute or two. Well, she continues her search for things in this uh, what appears to be this haunted upper level of the school, and uh, I believe at this point she comes into the uh, room with the bathtub.
0: Yep. She hears water running in the bathroom.
1: She comes in, and inside the bathtub is a fully-suited Michael, (laughs) looking dead (laughs) as a doornail. Yeah. And then he arises from that water like he was on a... He comes out of it sort of like a ghost. He
0: looked like Dracula coming out of the coffin. Yeah, out of his coffin, yeah.
1: And and at this point she just she screams and loses it all and dies. Yeah, Ed, or does she? We,
0: we got to mention that Michael's eyes are completely dead white; like he yes. looks like a dead person.
1: Yeah, I and saw that the first time. I was—I ju- don't think I screamed, but I bet I jumped out of my seat. <laughs> what a and great And then he reveal. proceeds to very carefully take out these false eyes. For, you know, lenses, and gets out of the tub.
0: And this is the real twist. I mean, it's not the final twist, but it's a good one, where <laughs> Michael and Nicole had planned this whole thing to bump off Christina through, like, because of her bad heart. Like they figured if they could ratchet up the stress enough that her heart would give out, and that's appear that appears to be what
1: happens. And they'd get all that money, and they're 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 romantically entwined there on on camera on film, and he's talking about and she's talking about all the pain he went through to ride in that basket for hours, and how he could, took so long to get out of that tub so he didn't make any more noise, and on and on. And I'm like flabbergasted, and
0: and, and then they, he said something or she said something like, "Well, we we have the next ten to tw- we have the next." 20 years of happiness together and then and then another reveal Alfred steps out from behind the shadows and says yeah 10 to 20 years in prison for manslaughter
1: <laughs> if you're lucky if you're lucky oh I so mean, it's like... they
0: got caught like Alfred figured it out and was there waiting for them it's
1: awesome and it turns out that the only dead person or so we think, is Christina.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because then we cut to the next day and they're talking about how uh, Christina's body was brought out on a stretcher covered up with a blanket and put on an ambulance and that she had been pronounced dead. And and then and then the final twist. So there's a there's another little subplot here where there's this one little boy who is constantly getting in trouble. And earlier in the story, he had used his slingshot and broken a window and gotten in trouble. But, and, and then he got yelled at by Michael after he had disappeared. And like none of the other teachers believed this little boy and said, well, no, Michael's not here. He couldn't have been the one who gave you punishment. And the little boy's adamant. No, no, it was Michael. It, you know, it, it was the headmaster. He did it. And he he just, he sticks to that story. Well, here at the very end of the movie, the same little boy uh, shows up with his slingshot. And one of the other teachers says, where did you get that slingshot? I thought that we took that away from you. And he says, oh no, Christina gave it to me. And she told me not to tell anybody that she gave it to me. This was after she was supposedly dead. So either... And then
1: it's the end.
0: And then it's the end. And then you're just left there going, wait, what? Huh? Because I believe that little boy that he saw Michael earlier because Michael wasn't dead. Like he was hanging out around the school somewhere. And so I believe him at the end when he says Christina gave him the slingshot back like it's not a ghost story there, there's no ghost in this movie
1: in my opinion I, I agree now that I we've, we've talked about it a couple times and when they're bringing Christina's body out anything after uh, the retired police commissioner shows up he, the, that guy that retired police commissioner is involved in making sure that Christina's body is is properly handled well in our theory she's not dead either she mm-hmm. and the commission the retired guy are in, in agreement that they can pull this off and, and uh, she can get rid of Michael and Nicole because they were a constant irritant to her and she was she was tired of the whole triangle of being the wife and then Nicole was the mistress. So uh, it, it just makes perfect sense to me that she had, she had put this whole plant together, And then it got aided by the retired police commissioner, his involvement. (laughs) I love it. He may Uh, have been involved from the beginning. I don't know, maybe. I mean, I want to go watch it again
0: because I want to see if I pick up on anything new that feeds into this idea. Uh, But it was great. uh,
1: Can you read what it says at the end of the film? Yeah. I know you you saw that there's a special note at the end, after the credit, the end credit. Yep. Uh, it says, works.
0: It says, uh, to, and it basically says, don't be devils to ensure that your friends have the most enjoyment of the film. Don't tell them what you saw. Thank you for them. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and i'm gonna watch it again and then
0: it's over <laughs>
1: yeah i'm gonna watch it again i i, I gave it a, a clear 10 rating the highest rating that we give it's just it's an outstanding film the critics were all over the place many thought it was outstanding others didn't like it at all but my favorite review is from uh the new york times bosley Carruthers. and this is a direct quote One of the dandiest mystery dramas that has shown here. A pip of a murder thriller. And he goes on. A pip.
0: It's so well put together. I mean, the acting is outstanding. The way that Christina plays her character as being so weak and so uh, easily manipulated. uh, And and sort of like the way Michael and Nicole are so sure of themselves, you know, and they 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 just feel like they've got this figured out. And then the way that it ends with that twist, it's just I
1: love it. Definitely there's a, a great, 10. It's a great after story in my mind. Christina hasn't really done anything uh bad. She's rid of Michael and Nicole. She's got the money. She closes the school and moves back to uh south america where she wanted to be anyway yeah to live happily ever after i like that what a film
0: maybe alfred has a son you know and uh introduces uh him to her and they live happily ever after
1: ah yes (laughs) (laughs) i can't recommend that film enough it is so much fun to watch
0: well i hope that you watched it before you listen to this uh but if not it'd still be worth watching because it's just so it's just such a great example of filmmaking yeah so that's our review of Les Baliques and did we figure out what we're going to do next
1: we're going to do 1933 The Bombshell oh, with yep. Gene Harlow yep. one of our listeners recommended that we uh, review that so we've got that up for our next podcast
0: well that'll be good all right, well, coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt.
1: And here in Los Angeles is Bob Wish, everybody happy movie watching.